Welcome to the second season of SeaTech Voices, The Risk Perspective, the podcast that brings you expert insights to today's hot topics in healthcare cybersecurity, compliance, and privacy. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. A transcript of each episode can be found at Synergistic.com. And now for the show. Hello, welcome back to The Risk Perspective. I'm Lauren Frickle, and I'm excited to say we have two special guests with us for this episode. Joining us today is Jesse Fasolo, Director of Technical Infrastructure and Cybersecurity at St. Joseph's Hospital in Patterson, New Jersey. Jesse will be talking with David Finn, Synergistics EVP of Strategic Innovation and much-loved Risk Perspective guest. He's been with us a few times before. Together, Jesse and David will talk about how to build a security program from the ground up in this part one of a two-part series. With that, I'd like to bring in David. Hi, David. How's it going? It's going very well, and and thank you for the intro, Lauren. I am really excited to be here today and talk about uh, with Jesse about building a program from the ground up. I did it many years ago before security was really a scary black hole, and that's changed everything. And so we've got someone who actually has done it. My name is David Finn, and I'm the EVP of Strategic Innovation at Synergistic. Just briefly, I am also recovering CIO and security and privacy officer in healthcare. And with me, as as you know, is Jesse. Jesse, you have some interesting things in your background, so I'm going to let you fill in some of those. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What's interesting with my background is I come from multiple disciplinaries, such as legal, finance, marketing, manufacturing, and now in healthcare. So I bring a lot of those experience forward. But I also uh, really enjoy some of other areas and spaces, such as leadership and management uh, with my own company. Let's talk leadership where I really try to train and develop and coach uh, individuals like myself and IT individuals on their career. And then in addition to that, you know, I've had uh, multiple different education backgrounds, professional uh, education through uh, Michigan State University with my master's. And currently I'm pursuing a PhD in organizational leadership, again, really to define and uh, augment the management capacity that I have uh, to really help organizations move forward. Thank you. And and I know all that leadership experience has created the opportunity as well as the ability to respond quickly. So I'm, I'm going to dive in here. You arrived at St. Joseph's, I think, coming up on seven years, Jesse. And, and since then, you've built really what is a, a very robust and mature cybersecurity program, and you keep improving it and maturing it. But I'd like to take you back those almost seven years, and and I have a couple questions for you about what you found when you arrived and how you laid out the plan and how you got the organizational support to do all the things you've you've done in a relatively short period of time. So out of the gate, what did the security program look like when you were Honestly, I wouldn't call it a security program. I would say it was more of a regulatory requirement to have someone review HIPAA compliance. And whether that be regulational compliance or documents or contracts or ensure that there's backup systems or backups running. But it was very mediocre when I first arrived here. From a policy perspective, there was limited to no policies that were covering or protecting us as well as uh, our partners. Um, And I think, like, you hit the nail on the head. It was really we had to start from square one and build a program here. So that that's where 
about six years ago, uh, I started and it was not just only on the cybersecurity side, but it was also on the infrastructure side where they were very legacy, very um, 10 years behind the times. So bringing both the infrastructure up to speed as well as the program, cybersecurity program, information security program um, up to speed was has been pretty much the significant most of my six years here. Wow, uh, and infrastructure and, and security together would be an interesting, we could do a whole separate podcast on that. So after you caught your, your breath, when you, you saw there really wasn't much there, it was pretty bare bones, what, what were the first three things you realized you had to do or get in place in order to really start building a program and get some traction? I, I believe anyone in my position or in an organization uh, position where uh, there's limited to no security, um, visible security, I think you need to do an assessment uh, to understand where you are to baseline your vulnerabilities, your threats that are pre-existing in the environment, what current hardware or software or contracts or partners that are within your um, uh, realm, uh, and really build a roadmap from there because obviously you can't really decide on where you want to go without knowing where you are. So I think one of the biggest parts, uh, the first step is really understanding um, where I am, what systems I hold, what systems I protect, what data I have, and kind of align all of those. And then that'll lead to the products and people perspective where uh, do I have the appropriate team to manage these environments or these tools? And then do I have this uh, sufficient capital or investment from the organization to say, well, I do have to go out and purchase um, X, Y, and Z tool sets or products or services to help the program. That's really those three main pillars at the beginning stages to really understand where you are, understand where you want to go, and then what components and build that roadmap within. The other thing that's interesting is the organization thinks if they have the right IT person and the right security person that takes care of itself. But we both know that security is a team sport and it's an organizational risk. So how did you turn security into a team sport at, at St. Joe's, particularly before there was security? So how do you, how do you make um, what is typically seen as, as the bane in IT, you know, information security or risk or compliance or audit, you know, coming down on the IT individuals that previously would be able to do whatever and whatever they, whenever, whatever they wanted. It's it's very hard. I think being personable, being transparent, being open on what you have in front of you and trying to educate those around you, whether it be the executive suite or uh, within your own inter information department, uh, information security department or information technology department, you need to educate where we are, what should be the standard moving forward, what it is that we have uh, around us and why it is potentially uh, impactful to the organization if it was exposed or if we did uh, have these vulnerabilities uh, accessed. And again, I think once you start opening people's eyes to information security, the veil kind of drops and, and people don't look at it as a mystifying group of individuals that make it more difficult for you, but more so that information security is there to protect not only the organization's data, but the tool sets, the products, the people within. And largely, I think this is most important, is the reputation of the organization. Over the last six years, you see changes in the uh, industries um, that are out there around cybersecurity where 
the reputation of the organization is tarnished by any breach or any uh, misuse of data or uh, theft of data, where I think that's one of the biggest uh, components to a very good successful program is to keep that in mind of your patients, as well as your data, as well as the reputation overall. Because again, your, your organization is only as good as the customers that you have repeated coming back. It is an enterprise risk, and and once people start to realize that, uh, I think you get a little better traction. And that kind of leads to my next question. In terms of security, a lot of organizations, kind of like what you stepped into over six years ago, they're faced with a long list of things that need to be fixed or added or changed and projects that they need to do. And it becomes so overwhelming that a lot of them get paralyzed. They don't even know where to start. So so you had technical infrastructure as well as cybersecurity. And so how did you balance all that you had to do, all those big lists with actually getting things done? How do you prioritize IT where, where you actually have some control because other people do think IT is important across the entire enterprise where almost any project gets gets ahead of security. Security's never a priority. And and so you had kind of double the list and and maybe not twice the clout. I, I think from a personable perspective, from a person, you need to build trust in any organization. And I, I think I did a, a good job when I came here to St. Joe's and building that trust, uh, implementing different services and different tools and different products, you know, doing it with uh, with care for not only the technical and efficiency gains and or uh, advancements uh, from software or product perspective, but also advancements at the same time in parallel, making that environment more secure. So I think you touched on it, prioritization. I think it's order of magnitudes as well where if you have visible and and open threats in the environment, say, for example, your internet edge and it's widely exposed, you would want uh, to approach that as your most important, most immediate source of product or or service to, to upgrade or implement or change. And then also... I think with with my experience here at St. Joe's, it was it was more at the same time, like as infrastructure was being upgraded, it was how do we do this appropriately and securely? And as new systems were coming online over the past six years, as we were implementing or upgrading so- software solutions or enterprise solutions, security was at the table. And I think back to the original question, how does security become a team sport? You know, getting at the table and making uh, individuals understand that this is only per- protective of the organization really led to that success. So I think overall, the program wise now, we use, you know, you guys as a third party to us to help us, but we also do internal assessments to keep track of where we are. And I can say when I first came here six years ago, there was a list of hundreds and hundreds of things we needed to accomplish. And in that list, I think, you know, you would then look at your team or look at your partners to say, where can I take small bites of this? And where would those bites make bigger impacts? Um, Like my example earlier, the internet edge, uh, it's smaller, small, investment, small product, small, simple upgrades will secure you to a very large percentage compared to upgrading an internal system that's really protected. Or not having policies or procedures in place uh, is is a very large component. I think a lot of uh, IT struggles with that because they don't know what documents to write, but there's a wealth of information. Besides third-party products or third-party partners, there's industry standards like CIS and NIST um, that, that offer up templates and 
I think just being guided into you need to get these done because these are based on risk. These are high risk, high reward. Those are the ones that you really want to approach and, and, and take down as quick as possible. And some of the other ones that you can accept that risk and kind of move on or continuously work on or continuously improve while you're doing other things kind of fall to the lower priority list. But in a small agile team, you really look for the biggest risk, biggest reward, and what will protect the environment the most. And you just chip away. That's that's the best approach that you can take. And since you've opened the door to third-party partners, I'm going to ask you a completely self-serving question here, which you don't have to answer, or you can answer in a way that might surprise me. How did having a partner like Synergistic on security help you as you looked at where you were and, and how you wanted to move to that next level or the next place you wanted to be? Our partnership with Synergistic is is strategic from an IT perspective and also from an organization perspective. I think when we partnered with the program that we uh, we selected to align our program with NIST, we wanted to ensure that we abide and we follow the NIST standards. And what came out of that, the first couple assessments, was a wealth of things that we needed to accomplish and fix and remediate. And based on the scale, you know, that's that's a starting point where I mentioned uh, in, the, in the beginning statements here. You have a starting point. Now you know what you need to do to accomplish each incremental change in the environment. So I think Synergistic for us is, is truly a partner. And I think that was a, a hurdle even, even within our own teams where people think audit, but it's not really audit. You're not being audited. It's not a security audit. It's, it's really a partnered assessment that they're coaching and guiding and really directing you of what you need to do to increase your program as well as enhance your security posture. And if I was audited, this would help me be prepared. I think I think that's really the, the gist of it. Overall, Synergistic has really led the charge with us uh, in parallel to, to better our solutions and better our program totally. Right. Always good to hear that. But now I want to stop talking about Synergistic and talk about you. You, Jesse, used the term the very first time I talked to you that I really liked and, and I've started to use it, although I do attribute it to you. And I think we all kind of dance around the idea, but it, it was clear to me in that discussion that it's a term you use at St. Joe's internal to IT and to security and even outside of IT and security. And the expression was quote, business aligned security, unquote. Can you tell me what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. Business aligned security, information security specifically, is really uh, making sure that decisions, whether it be contracts, whether it be purchases or acquisitions, whether it be divestures, whether it be mergers, whether it be any of those sorts of business activities, that security is there. Security is aware, security is in the mix, and uh, aligning security, and it's reciprocal, right? So having risk or having legal or having compliance or having those other disciplinaries contact or communicate with information security so it's not in a silo is where it's aligned to the business. So if if someone wants to make an acquisition, they're always uh, consulting with us as a member, not just an afterthought, but are we doing this securely? Is this vendor um, from a vendor management perspective secure? Do they have high risk you know, and what's interesting over the last three years, our program has matured so much where we went from originally doing 10, like, for example, vendor management um, assessments, third party assessments, risk assessments, maybe 10 to maybe 50 a year, where now we're, we're doing them and churning them out. And we're identifying that these certain vendors that 
perhaps we were sharing PHI with need to improve their security. Or now we have a decision to go with someone else because of these, or, or perhaps not pursue them because of some findings that we've seen. So that's just one example. But I think the business over over many years, many iterations, sees information security more as an asset. And that's really how it aligns with the business. I love the phrase. I, I know an old recovering CIO and security officer who used to use the term with his executives that security is a strategic function of the business. You found a much better, less confrontational phrase. So, so I applaud you. Now, you've got this wonderful phrase that really does explain what security needs to be, which is aligned with the business. But how do you share or use that and communicate that with your users outside of security and IT and as as well as inside? How did you get your teams on board and how does that help them with security from your perspective and then with the business from their perspective? That's a deep question. Um, I I would say education at the forefront, right? Uh, Educating individuals, whether it be internal to IT or whether it be external on security. Um, So building an education program so they understand what you're talking about is important. Also being able to have open forum and communicate the risks and bring in the other departments to what was typically in, in the past a siloed department. So having annual meetings with risk, legal compliance to review policies and procedures and understand uh, where and how risk is determined across the organization, not just within IT, but how does IT's risk correlate and uh, change risk perspective within the risk department of the organization. Other areas uh, I would say is like emergency preparedness for the hospital. Information security has been historically an afterthought where up till recent times where there's mass um, ransomware and breaches within a healthcare organization that cause healthcare systems to to be totally impacted where they're diverting patients. Well, now they're in the in the mix as well. Information security is right there, cybersecurity. So I think overall it's, it's really important just to bring all those groups together. Annually, uh, we speak to the board, we board of trustees on security risks. We actually use the output from our synergistic annual assessments and document them and use uh, some of the data and create spreadsheets or, or and or PowerPoint presentations to show where we are, where have we trended from years prior, where do we need to go, and perhaps what uh, other investments do we need to start pointing towards um, in the future. So is it fair to say you, you've got this business-aligned security and you're not just using it as a buzzword, but you're, you're living it, you've got your teams on board, you've got the business. Does, does business-aligned security help in selling the idea of having an ongoing security program? I think security now is, is something that's definitely a, more of an investment than five years ago. And it's ongoing. Uh, I think it's a continuous incrementing. We need more security. We need to be more or better protected against bad actors that are out there or threats that we have. Um, And I think that's also changing uh, with the amount of threats that we have um, and the amount of uh, media that's out there regarding, you know, uh, the the breaches that happened within the last couple of years, some of them um, are huge where, you know, a 400 hospital health system is down for days on end completely impacting across the country, uh, various cities and states. So when you start looking at um, the security, the budget, the products that you have, you, you need to really optimize what you have first off, and then also look at what strategically you need to purchase or acquire uh, to add to your tool set and or 
team to to better uh, protect your environment. This is, uh, this is, I think, Jesse, going to be the uh, metaphysical question of the day. But everyone, I think, has en- encountered it if you're in IT and healthcare and security. Where does cybersecurity end and where does the business begin? And you could ask that in reverse as well. It's kind of the chicken before the egg, right? I, I think the business is paramount. I think the business is, is, is always going to be the business. And that aligns with multiple industries. But I think if information security or the protection of data is is there, understood by everyone in the room, I think it's not foreshadowed. Um, I, I think, you know, as far as it begins and ends, I think it needs to be parallel. Um, I, I think it needs to be uh, constantly communicated that information security needs to be uh, a member of the table and, and just understood. Um, is this a secure solution? Are we putting our patients at risk uh, in, in regards to their data or our personal information? I think the business starts first and then security has to be there and it needs to be an ongoing charge to uh, try to be aligned as best as possible. So you you talked a little bit about this in the business aligned security, but I'm going to ask now if having an independent outside assessment uh, help you with non-IT and non-security leaders in, in building the case for a security program. You mentioned you use some of those, some of the output from from the assessments. And does it help to have someone else talking about your growth and the improvement you're making instead of just you saying, look at all that we've accomplished and look what we did this year? Absolutely. Um, I, I think you know, for me, if I look at a spreadsheet every year and I see incremental change in numbers, it's not as significant if a third party that actually is higher regarded in the industry with respect to healthcare and security of healthcare to say, to come in and actually advise you and say, your product or your program has really improved significant to the to the extent and actually show data behind it. I think leveraging that is, is very important where if of course, I can go into a room and explain, you know, we've made incremental changes here and we've improved here, but to see it come from a third party, I think a lot of organizations that have not leveraged a third party should do so just because it's another perspective. Um, and honestly, sometimes uh, organizations, they, they tend to listen and then kind of forget very quickly where a third party, whether, uh, you know, even even organizationals uh, like healthcare, they, they have... Uh, like DNV come in, they do this big assessment, um, and you're everyone's watching, everyone's waiting for the report to come out. Um, everyone gets it, and everyone wants to remediate the deficiencies. I think security can be similar. I think if you have a report annually, and everyone knows, and everyone's partaking in this process, that those those numbers can be communicated far further than just if I was presenting a PowerPoint presentation. And this is kind of the the old uh, a perpetual question about tools. And I know when you arrived at St. Joe's, you you essentially had no security tools, and you can't do security without tools anymore. It, it's just impossible. Uh, on the other hand, at Synergistic, we've gone into organizations where they have 40, 50, and sometimes more what they call security tools, and they don't have enough people to to manage and use the tools, and the people they have probably haven't been trained because they bought it six years ago, and it's the sixth admin on that system, and and then the tools have overlap and redundancy. So, So how do you determine what security tools you need? 
for us and for me, um, I do follow NIST. So the NIST control families really outline and identify the tool sets and products that an organization should or could have. I also look to my partners and trends in the industry or trends that are out there as things develop or, or uh, mature, new products or new technologies come out um, where, you know, for example, five years ago, uh, an MDR or a managed detection response system was was not really apparent. But now, as that has become the, the, the primary uh, solution for detection of anomalies or uh, viruses or, or uh, issues on endpoint detection, everyone is adopting them. But which one do you select? How do you pursue it? Um, and then how do you train and develop and coach and mentor the individuals that will be using it to protect your organization? So I think as trends change, so too will the tools change, as well as the current vulnerabilities and threats that are out there, right? So as the landscape changes itself, you have to constantly look at your tool set and say, do I have the right tool for the job? To your point before, where you have 40 to 50 different tools to do multiple jobs, I think what's most important and what I've looked at over the last three years myself is of the tools that we have, are we using them to 100% capacity? Are they optimized? Because what I've found is for for what you mentioned, 40 to 50 organizations with 40 to 50 tools, they don't use them. And if they do use them, they're not fully deployed or optimized to the point where they're actually uh, providing you the proper amount of data or the adequate amount of data to protect your environment. So um, I I would never want to say we have a, a solution and it's protecting us, but in the back say, you know, that is really just a false sense of security. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that on my conscience. So I make sure when we do a deployment or a solution that we're looking for, well, does this solution replace five other ones? Great. Let's get rid of them. Let's optimize this one because this is going to be our primary focus moving forward. And I think teams really need to focus in on what really works. And sometimes you don't need a tool. Sometimes we, uh, for example, I had a case management tool. I probably used it once a year, maybe twice a year for uh, a legal assessment. And it was a huge amount of money, huge cost, a huge education curve where two individuals had to really go seek out education, learn how to use it. And then as there's turnover in the team, you, you forget how to use it. And the product is something that you purchased, acquired, and you don't use. So I think assessment of what you have and really, uh, again, optimization of the tool sets that you have, 40, 50 is a lot. If any organization has 40 to 50, I can guarantee they can cut that down to 20 to 30 easily just by understanding, do I really use this tool? Does it really give me what I need it to get? Or can I consolidate that tool with you know others that I already have in the environment? I appreciate that. And you actually answered my, my question about how do you know you don't need a tool anymore, but you raised a really good point, particularly we, we saw it in the clinical areas and we see it in security. You can have so much data that it's almost as bad as not having any of the data. So so a good point. And, and since I made that clinical tie back, I'm going to ask you uh, about EMRs. When when I this was a long time ago, we rolled out our EMR, and and all of a sudden we had all this redundancy and systems that had to be interfaced, and and we saw a lot of what we called back then clinical portfolio rationalization. And is this going to become an effort around security tools? Do you think? I believe so. I think. I think anytime your uh, electronic medical record system, uh, EMR, EHR system, it's one of the most vital pieces of data 
housing, warehousing uh, in your organization for healthcare. And I think the security controls thereof need to be robust. They need to be really to an advanced level um, and at least have uh, access to the data that uh, the security data, access data, encryption, um, you can name, you could just riddle out the names of security uh, areas that you need to focus on when you're talking about an EMR or EHR. Uh, for us specifically, we've deployed, um, actually we upgraded it uh, and deployed a brand new Cerner Millennium over the last uh, three years. And during that implementation, uh, the same the same idea uh, happened, right? What? How is this secure? How are we accessing it? Where do the connections come from? How do the interfaces work? Is it secure? So you kind of go through that whole process through that implementation and then post-implementation as well with any change thereof, uh, making sure and ensuring that it's secure. So I think the business really needs to determine and then use it as secure as possible and make sure that the uh, the EMR, EHR system itself is secure for the uh, patients and organization. And, and last question, uh, almost more for my curiosity, was having a, a third party consultant useful in identifying a priority needs for tools? And really, I'm talking about specific tools in specific areas or, or specific functions in those types of tools. I think so. I, I, I really, truly believe so. the output of those assessments provide you intel that you would normally not be able to just figure out yourself. You know, uh, I've, I've had instances where I didn't know that there was a specific tool or didn't um, have understanding that other healthcare systems have this tool and I should have it myself or policy or procedure or program changes thereof. But um, I, I think overall, I think the uh, assessment tool really helps guide and coach. So part of the program, but also the tool sets that you should be acquiring and, and pursuing uh, I think most recently is uh, medical device security, right? So what tool do you have in place to uh, monitor and identify um, issues with your medical devices or the other large one that's in the environment in the space right now is identity management. What are you doing about privileged user access or identities uh, within your organization, right? So those are two areas where you get coaching and guidance from your partner on what is being seen in the industry as well as what we should be focusing on, what is typically high risk or what is targeted, you know, and like I mentioned, the easy one for us is uh, medical devices where, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest vectors right now because typically they're legacy and or not, not really adequately patched or, you know, you have to work around the issue. So again, third party product assessment, um, tool set assessment help to identify what you need to really pursue. Very good. I want to thank you, Jesse, for taking the time today. I have the strange feeling you and I will be talking again because I have a lot more to ask you about. Uh, but I know the world's greatest marketing team is telling me I need to stop talking now. So thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. And as David mentioned, stay tuned for part two of this discussion with Jesse at St. Joseph's Hospital. Mm-hmm.